Yeah. I wanna be a billionaire. Uh, I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a million every week. Yeah. I wanna be a billionaire. Uh, I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a billy every week. Uh, I wanna be a billionaire. Billionaire. I wanna be a billionaire. Ladies and gentlemen, how you doing? Welcome to another episode of Sleep is for Billionaires, the podcast. I am your host, Johnny Vegas. Now today, it's a very special day, ladies and gentlemen. I got a very special guest on my show. This man is a singer, songwriter, producer, founding member of Sly Slick and The Wicked, a legend in the music industry. Ladies and gentlemen, John Sly Wilson. How you doing today, King? I'm fine, Johnny, man. Like I say, trying to do the best I can, man. You know what I'm saying? It's all good, though. <laughs> hey, man. Well, I love to hear, man. It's good to see you in good spirits. Good to see you, you know, smiling, man. It just, 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 you know, you got a lot of, like, youthful energy in you, man. I love it, man. I actually, I called you the other day. You was like, oh, I'm in the studio recording for this soundtrack. And I'm like, oh, man, my man is still at it. I love it, man. <laughs> Well, man, you know, I, I've been blessed. You know, Slash Flick and Wicked uh, Monday celebrated on March 22nd, 1971. We signed our first recording contract with Paramount. So, so, so as far as, as recording artists, uh, 50 years. Uh, the wow. group actually, when we get, we've been together uh, 51 years, but that marked our first recording contract, man, so. Yeah, that's amazing, man. I mean, I'm sure things were so much different from the way they are now in regards to music and, you know, everything's going digital now, you know, and, and it looks like you're still active in the music industry. So and you've seen this whole transition. So with that being said, how have you adjusted to the way, you know, music is now monetized and now being able to be distributed? I mean, do you find it easier to kind of make the transition with or, you know, was it a little bit difficult for you? Like, how did you adjust? Well, it's, uh, like, that's a loaded question. Um, it, it's, it's easier in some ways to adjust, but in other ways is, it's kind of hard and disappointing. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that, okay. Um, let's start out with what I just started out with of saying that, you know, Sly, Slick, and Wicked signed our first record deal 50 years ago. And we're still working 50 years to this day. You know, we just had, nobody's been able to work during the pandemic, but already uh, uh, people, because it's opening back up, are trying to uh, book us. Now, saying all that, when we signed our first record deal, there were like 50 labels we could sign with. Okay, 50. All right, now there's only four. And only one of them is, is uh, American owned, Wow, you know? And so that is the sad part of it. And also uh, there's nowhere really for a young artist to hone their craft. Okay. So skipping to that to say today's music. Okay. You know, I've been blessed, you know, Justin Timberlake suit and sock tie. I'm the co-writer of it. Uh, you know, most of uh, the music you hear on uh, Suit and Tie, I did personally, because that's the song showing up that we did on Soul Train. Only thing that Justin did did was put lyrics to my music. Okay. Uh, Johnny Cole, Chaining Day, that's me. So I've been able to, you know, go from back then to now, to now still stay relevant. I, you know, and, but in, in between, I produced Janet Jackson, Alfonso Ribeiro, you know, 
Mickey Howard worked with Barry White, did two albums with him. Uh, I'm the first to take gospel to Japan, uh, mm-hmm. first to, to produce a Japanese artist, a, a Taiwanese art, artist, a Vietnamese artist, I'm first, first to score a Vietnamese film, and I'm the mm-hmm. first to take gospel to Japan. So saying that is that to, to monetize, you know, when you put your stuff like on Spotify, YouTube, and everything like that, okay, there's a lot more outlets, but it's less money. You see, for example, uh, what is it? You put your stuff on YouTube and uh, I think you get 0.0029 of a penny. Yeah, yeah. So, so, something disrespectful, yeah. Right. And so now I, now I actually, I've lobbied in the House of Representatives for the uh, for two things, uh, the, the Truth and Music Bill to stop the fake groups, but also what they call the Fair Pay, Fair Play Act. And what we're trying to do is call to bear Pandora, Spotify, all these people to give us a decent rate. You know, that's less than what you, you know, back in the day, they said, well, the record companies wasn't paying the artists a great rate. Okay. This is even worse now. Mm. Much worse. You know, how do you pay, you know, here, uh, uh, you know, like a BMI royalty is like 9.1 cents. Okay. But, you know, uh, uh, Pandora, point, point, I'm just throwing it like 69ths of a penny, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, uh, so where's, how, how, how does the artist, or like the writer or the artist, it depends on what the situation is, how do you make money? And then now here's the other part. Again, uh, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio. That's where we're from, all right? Okay, in my neighborhood, okay, that I grew up in, was the OJs, Bobby Womack, Edwin Starr. Uh, 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 if you want, they say Akron Cleveland, uh, James Ingram, uh, uh, Howard Hewitt. I mean, these are the people that out of my neighborhood, right? Now, there were so many clubs in the Cleveland, Akron area. We could all play each one of these clubs and never play the same one twice in a month or a month and a half. Mm. Okay. I think, you know, hey, man, listen, uh, like this, this, this is a conversation, man. You know, we're going to go and check, check out the OJs, man, at the, at the Syrah house, man. You know, but, you know, Sly Slick and Wicked is playing at Robert's Steakhouse. But the first show is 3.30 in the morning. And the second show is 5.30 in the morning. Ah. See, and this was going on in all the big cities, Cleveland, Detroit, wherever. That's gone now. Oh. You see? So that's the difference that. Yeah, yeah, it is more streaming. And then, like I said, you can be more visible outside the country, but it's much worse to me. I hear you. And I, and, and, and I respect your take on that, you know, being that that the artist is still getting less money. And, you know, it seems like the company is still taking the majority of it. So technically, it didn't really fix anything. It just kind of provided more visibility to the artist. But still, the money's not really adding up still. So I, I, I kind of get you on that. Um, but I did want to ask, um, you know, from a business standpoint, you know, what do you, cause that's, uh, you, you say you were kind of, you know, taking on the right to play act. What, what was it called again? The truth, the music truth. Okay. Act? The truth in the truth in music act uh, myself and my sister who I'm missing very much is Mary Wilson. She's the first one, her and uh, Bowser from Shauna to take me on the hill. And there's a lot of fake groups. There's a fake me running around here. You know, mm-hmm. and I just call names uh, uh, Alan Beck and and uh, 
somebody, Rita Hawkins, manage them, Pacific Concerts, book them, and they know good and well. They had no, none of those people that had nothing to do with me. And, and so myself, Mary Wilson, we call the Truth and Music Board, uh, uh, Arlene Smith from the Chantels, Charlie Thomas from the Drift, Drifters. I was the baby of the group. Uh, mm. uh, Herb Reed from the Platters, uh, Herb Cox from the Cleft Homes. Uh, uh, a bunch of us descended on Capitol Hill. And we, and right now, in, in 34 states now, there is a law called the Truth in Music Law. And you can Google to, you know, tell the, the people who are watching Google this. Why? Why? Is because in order for you to be called an original member, mm. you have to be on the very first recording. Okay. And that constitutes you to be the original group. All right. right. Now, with these fake guys, and see, here's the thing. In the 60s, I'm sorry, in the, well, even before the 60s and the 70s, uh, the only way that you would see us, it's not, you know, there wasn't videos like when we did Soul Train. You would see us once. Now, you know our name, but do you know the guys in the group? You see, I can say, I can say the stylistics, you know the name, but do you know the guys in the group? You know, so nine times out of ten, sometimes your, your, your picture wasn't on, on the lay, on the uh, cover mm -hmm. of the album. So here comes these fake guys now saying that they are the real people, wow. you know. And, and so, uh, and which they had nothing to do with nothing, wow. you know, and knowing that, you know, uh, like we're from Cleveland. And next thing now with the Internet, you know, Sly, Slick and Wicked is in uh, San Francisco. Well, wait a minute. We're in Cleveland doing a gig. How can we be in San Francisco at the same time? Oh, man. Right. And if you go on YouTube, there's a, a, uh, a 20, 60 Minutes or something like that did a, uh, a special on this. And go in there to YouTube and put in the doo-wop imposters. And you'll see how, you know, all, all of us, and, well, I'm not on it, but Bowser and all of us went and took this and how rampant this is. So. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's, that's crazy. So people basically out there making money on your behalf without your knowledge and your involvement. And that, 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 that's crazy, man. And there's no way around it, you know, to sue them for copyright infringement or, you know, get some type of, I guess, reparations for that type of, uh, I mean, okay, this is basically the other, stealing. Well, yeah, it's stealing. This is the, the, the part of it. Okay. It is a federal law. Okay. But these fake groups know two things. They know that now we got to lawyer up for each group. I mean, each city that they're playing in or each gig, which mm -hmm. that's funny. Okay. Mm -hmm. You got to pay your lawyer, you know, to put an injunction against them in the gig. And they know that that's going to run a whole lot of money. And, you know, Mary, up until the time that she passed Mary Wilson, until she passed away, you know, she and I were fighting seriously about this. And Dion Warwick, I mean, on the hill would be myself, Dion Warwick, uh, uh, Booker T of the MGs, uh, Alicia Keys, Ray Parker Jr., uh, uh, Sarah Dash and LaBelle. We're actually in here telling, you know, please stop this. But again, these fake groups know that it's going to take more money to stop them. You know, and that, how, what do you do? Yeah, it sounds like, you know, they're they're basically banking on you not wanting to pay all that money to fight. So you're just going to let them continue to do what they do or, you know, catch them whenever you catch them, I guess. But, 
Yeah, that kind of happens in business as well. It's like it's going to cost you more to fight it than to, I guess, let it go. But then when you let it go, it's like, you know, they're just kind of making money off your name and not giving you any type of royalties or anything like that, which sucks. So I'm sorry you're going through that. Well, well see, here's another thing that, that really can help everything. The audience, you know, please, audience, if you go to a gig and you know that's not the, the, the real group, you can actually ask for your money back. Mm. Okay. And so that's, you know, uh, the, the fans, you're going to have to help us stop this. And, and plus with the internet now, now you can know what we look like, you know, like we're on the Zoom call. If you don't see me, Charles, or Leo up there on it, that's not us. That's not the real group. And you'll be surprised of the groups. Like, for example, uh, we were playing a gig here in Los Angeles, and it was us, Black Ivory, and the Delphonics, Okay. So, you know, I walk in the sound checks, I see Black Ivory, you know, and all the years we never worked with each other, but I knew what they looked like. And then, you know, I, I, I see one guy and, you know, sitting down there and he would have been actually with another group. Right. And so I said, hey, man, how you doing? How's the group doing? Hey, man, you know, we're all gone except one of us. I said, oh, man, man, that's uh, I'm sorry to hear that. You know, so I thought that he was just the guest mm-hmm. of the group. He was actually performing as a Delphonic. Uh, right. Right. How did that play out? Right. It, it was, hey, man, I couldn't do anything uh, about it. And, and Black Ivory, because we made it in ourselves. If we find out before we get to the gig that this is a fake group, then we'll tell them, hey, either get the group off the show or we're not going to work. You know, right. we're not going to sit up here and eat these because this music was bought with a price, John. Mm. It was bought at a price. There's a lot of us that are gone now that I work like two Ohio players left, one spinners left, one main ingredient. I mean, these people, you know, I work with, man, and they're not here anymore and they can't speak for themselves. Yeah. Yes, it's sad, man. Sad but true, man. I'm sorry to hear that, man. That's got to suck, man. So, uh, I mean, you know, and, and going, going back to the, uh, you know, the, I guess, the streaming services not basically paying the artist rightfully, you know, I guess the rightful percentage you see fit. I'm curious to know, what do you think would be a fair share that would be a fair share with splitting with the uh, streaming services like YouTube and Spotify? Like, what do you think would be fair that the artist should get? Well, at least give us like what the BMI pays is like 9.1 cents. You know, every time you hear a song on the radio, if you're a BMI artist, they collect 9.1 cents. At least be there. Don't be, like I said, uh, 24th or 36th of a penny. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, pay us a normal rate. And uh, we took, uh, we were on the hill and uh, title, Jay-Z's, uh, this is when he first opened it up. And we asked him, you know, as a group, what it was the royalty rate? was no answer you know there is one now but my point is okay james brown said show business 10 percent show 90 percent business show business learn the business the music business is a business like zero like xerox coca-cola anything there's a great book called The Musician's Legal Guide by Mark Haller. 
It's a great book. Why? It not only tells you what the business is about, is about, but it has boilerplate contracts, you see? And take this to, to task. You know, we're too busy wanting to be seen. Okay, I was in a conversation with this young artist yesterday. He wants to be seen, okay? Uh, and I was telling him about how record deals work now different than what we we were, okay? There are, not, there are very few artists that are signed direct now, Johnny. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? You go up, you get a P&D deal. You see. Publishing distribution? No. Pressing and distribution. Oh, pressing and distribution. Got it. Okay. Now, do you know what that entails? Tell me more. No. Okay. Okay. Most of your uh, uh, labels now are P&D deals like J Records. Okay. Uh, Jay-Z, Rock Nation, uh, Columbia, Sony. Okay, a P&D deal is, let's say, for example, uh, we have Johnny Vegas records distributed by Universal. That's a P&D deal. What happens, P&D, I mean, uh, uh, Universal will pay, will press and distribute your label, Johnny Vegas's label. But it's up to Johnny Vegas to come up with the marketing and promotion. Okay, and which it could be $250,000, Okay, the good thing with that is, is that your royalty rate is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Okay, when you sign directly, you know, you sign for a little bit of royalties. Okay, and then let's say they put two or $300,000 behind your product in the best sense when you sign directly. Well, you're in the hole for, for that 300,000 mm. and you got to sell a, do a whole lot of downloading and, 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 and selling a product to even come break even. Right. So you still in the hole. So you ain't made no money. Mm. You see, but with a P and D deal, you know, uh, let's say out of a dollar, you're getting uh, 75 cents out of a dollar. You see, you rather yeah. get 10 cents out of a dollar. Right. You see, so that's, that's what I'm saying. That's the best advice that I say for a young artist that's starting now is to, well, not starting, but that's why you see all the other artists, the Jay-Z's, whatever, they're making the money because they've done P and D deal. Clive Davis, J records is a P and D deal. Mm. You see? And yeah. Uh, that's awesome, man. Thank, thank you for the, for enlightening me on that, on that, because now you can help me seek that opportunity as well. You know, um, okay. So, are you current? Do you currently have any deals at the moment that you're like signed to, or other partnerships you have with any labels? Or are you just kind of doing the independent thing, leveraging the connections you made throughout the years? Well, I've always leveraged the connections, but everything you know with the pandemic is at a standstill. I was able to do the, the soundtrack to a computer animation film. You know, but but everything is 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 really slowed down. But I, I keep everything going, and you know, talking to everybody. You know, uh, I talk to uh, Earth, Wind, and Fire guy. You know, my friends in Earth, Wind, and Fire. I've talked to the old Jays. Everybody's sitting at home. You know, and there's no venues open. You know, mm-hmm. so everybody's sitting at home. But we we all talk and still keep you know uh, uh, each other's spirits up because that's all we've known is all our lives now is work. You know. 
That's true. So with that being said, you know, since things are out of sense, so, you know, how you how you maintain it, you know, what I'm saying what are you doing, you know, outside of music to kind of make ends meet and keep yourself above water and, you know, things of that nature? Well, to keep from going crazy. I mean, I have a studio in the house, so, you know, okay, I, okay so I keep writing. But, the, you know, I was happy. OK, let me say this, too, again, as I said earlier show business, 10% show, 90% business. When we signed our first record deal with Paramount, they only had two black acts. They had us and the, and the Porner sisters, right? And our first single sold, I guess, close to a half a million records or something like that. And do you know what my check was? 93 cents. Uh... And I still have that check to this day. Because so I learned that I have to start knowing how this business works. So from then till now, after that, you know, I've managed to, our royalties keep us going, you know, at this, in this dry spell. I'm not, I'm blessed to say that because a lot of us are not in that position, you know, because especially in, 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 in the black and R and B world, uh, people were saying, I was watching BB King special last night that they had on, you know, and it was just the regular run of the mill. You sign these contracts and you don't know what you're signing your kids. I, you know, I was what, barely 21 years old. You know, Charles was 19 when we signed, you know, and we didn't even know, didn't even have, you know, that a royalty rate was supposed to be on, on a, on a, on a contract. And there was none. You see what I'm saying? So my point is, is that we have to know, the business. And that's the only thing because the royalties, when I started producing, you know, producing, working with the Jacksons and working overseas and producing those artists, I made sure that my royalties and my publishing was right. And that's what's keeping me going in this panic pandemic, you know? Well, that, well Hey, well, that, that's awesome, man. That those royalties are keeping you above water. Cause some people ain't even getting that right now. And they got to convert to, you know, doing other things, you know, outside of their dream, which, you know, can be very unfortunate and very uh, discouraging, you know what I'm saying? But during these times, you know, you kind of got to adapt like myself, you know, I can't, I mean, when I met, I met you, you kind of motivated me to come to LA. I met you at the airport. Right. And, then you, and you ran up on me like, Hey, young blood, where you going? And all this stuff. And then you told me you was going to Africa and you're in the hall of fame. I'm like, what, wait, wait, who are you? And then, you know, once you told me everything you had going on, it just motivated me to come out here. But even when the pandemic hit, I had to, you know, diversify my attention to keep making ends meet, you know, and I'm not as successful as you are in music. So I had to jump back into sales and, you know, do the whole pandemic thing. I basically aligned myself with uh, medical supply companies and just started servicing uh, hospitals and governments and selling them the PPE that they needed. You know what I'm saying? So I just kind of had to diversify my attention that way. But hopefully uh, when things open up, I get back up and running with production because I took a liking into acting and I was doing pretty well, you know, making some good money, did over 100 films, got into the union and stuff like that. So that route was looking promising. But when the pandemic hit, it just kind of shut everything down for me. So now I got to, you know, hustle from the phone and, and the computer. So so I definitely uh, feel you on that. Well, see, um, you, something you could have took an advantage of when you were mm-hmm. doing the films, go to the music supervisor said, who's doing the soundtrack? And I did. And I did now, you know, okay. as I started learning who was in charge of that opportunity. And then also I started realizing that that's where the money's at. Like yeah. that music, uh, sync licensing, 
you know, that's where the music is. I mean, that's where the money's at. So I've been researching, you know, even my favorite shows, like I'm looking at the credits now. I don't even care about the show. I'm like music supervisor, that person, go on LinkedIn, find them, contact them, send them the list, all that stuff. You know what I'm saying? Make sure the song ain't got no samples in it so we ain't getting sued, you know, and all types of stuff. So, you know, I've been taking, uh, I've been, pushing that agenda, like even with this new project that I'm currently creating is specifically for sync licensing, you know, that, that journey down the road of being the artist, doing the open mics, going to clubs, passing out CDs to the DJs. Like, I don't really want to do that anymore. I just want to submit to the music supervisors, give me a yay and nay and send me a check. You know what I'm saying? So that's, so with that, with that being said, you know, so can you tell people, you know, how, um, what is the best way to kind of, I guess, reach out to the supervisors or how to how to approach them and what to have ready before you approach them just to get uh, further opportunities um, with with uh, sync licensing? Well, it's, it's, it's uh, well, for, for example, I've done six films. OK. Hmm. And what you do. You, yeah. You look like Variety magazine in the morning, you know. What's what's going in the in the pre-production? You know what movies are going in, into development? IMDb, you see, and contact them and say, hey, maybe I got something here that you might might fit your movie. You might get a yay and nay. But you know when you have put songs in movies, it's a little bit different than putting it in out in the street. Okay, first first of all, now do you play other instruments? Oh, no, I just songwrite in English and Spanish, but I have a team okay. of producers that, you know, can produce pretty much anything I want. Okay, because see, it's two, th- it's two things here. When you, Dylan and Song, see, I'm, I'm, I'm a musician too. I was a classical trumpet player in that. So you have the underscore. Mm. Okay, so let's say if you're doing a Star Trek, for example, mm-hmm. you're not going to have a, two, a song in there. You got the underscore, you see. So you and by underscore you mean just a just a beat just no, okay 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 don't say beat okay okay sorry okay. <laughs> no 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 okay let's say for example in a love scene or or, or run scene that's called underscore you get paid for that meaning meaning like I'm saying hey John uh, uh, I want you know uh, Ace I want you to score uh, this 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 film okay. It's a, a sci-fi film. I'm leading into something with this, okay? It's a sci-fi film, okay? So a sci-fi film, nine times out of 10, now let's say going to a bar scene, ain't going to have a song in it. So I'm going to sit down and, you know, they'll give me the script. And then, uh, like, if I'm really lucky enough, like I was with, like, four movies I did, I knew the director personally. I was there when he was writing the script. I went to the pre-production meeting. I went. I was there when they were shooting it, and then you know, then I uh, I got a feel for what they were doing, and then in, in post-production. Okay, now with that, you say, well, John, you know, I just say, you just say, man, I really don't play anything. All right, one of the greatest sci-fi films that was ever made does not have one note of music in it. Wow. And it was made in 1954 and it's called Forbidden Planet. Is not one note in it, but it took them years to win an Oscar for best underscore because this is the first time a synthesizer was ever used. Mm. Okay. So again, it's the imagination. Now, the second thing is you have a song. I mean, you have a movie that does require songs. 
All right. So, of course, you're going to get your writers and then you're going to get your publishing. But in order to do that, you have to submit a cue sheet. Okay. okay. Now, now educate people on what a cue sheet is. Okay. What you when you by people, I mean myself. I'm, no, no, no. That's all right. <laughs> Whoever, whoever's listening, that's what I'm here for. Is that okay? A cue sheet is like let's say, and there's a there's a scene in the movie that the girl is dancing. You know, like the 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 whoever the heavyweight whatever walks in there, and the girl swinging on the pole, whatever. Right. Well, there's music there. Good times. Okay. So your song is playing. Right. For about ten seconds. Right. All right. So that was in, uh, you know, that's why you see the time codes running at the bottom, too. So my song played from one minute and 30 seconds to one minute and 50 seconds. Right. But then down in the movie, it plays again. Okay, at 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 two minutes, 10 seconds. And then it played to to uh, two minutes, 40 seconds. Mm. Right. So you log each. That's what they call cues. So you log each times that the music plays and then you submit them to be like a BMI and they'll log. And that's how you get play paid. Now, the beauty of that is that. All right. When they put the song on Netflix or HBO, whatever, you still get paid. I'm still getting paid from songs and that, that movie I did back in 1980s. OK, because wow. it's always going into you know, uh, uh, Netflix or Amazon, Showtime or whatever. And yeah. so you get keep getting paid for that movie. And, and plus overseas mm-hmm. when they put it to uh, different types of uh, languages. Yeah. yeah. So like I say, this is a business, you see. And once you uh, uh, learn it and just like, for example, you know, admin, publishing administration, you know, uh, let's say you put something, you write something and it comes out in, let's say, Japan, all right? Then you do a sub-publishing deal with Japan. And what that is, like, like uh, we have BMI ASCAP here. Japan has Jazz Rack, okay? So you got a song that, that's going to be uh, on, let's say, a Japanese artist, right? Well, you would do a deal, what they call a sub-publishing deal, with Johnny Vegas Publishing with uh, Jazz Rack, who, who uh, has Toshiba EMI. Okay, and they will take care and pay you for what they call the seven provinces of Asia. So they'll collect for you in Japan, uh, South Korea, uh, uh, Hong Kong, uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Indonesia, and the Philippines. Mm. You see, so now your your songs over there because they'll take their percentage, but then the rest of it's coming in your account. Right. You see, and that comes from now on. You know. So those are called, and there's a, um, I call it the supermarket of music. In France, they didn't have because of the pandemic, but every year in Cannes, France, you heard of the Cannes Film Festival? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, they have one for mu- music and it's called Medium. Medium, yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe, yeah. I think you told me about it back in the day. Yeah, it was, it was, it was like a $5,000 trip, but I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's almost 5,000 labels there. Right, right. Five days, and they're there just to do deals, publishing deals, record deals. That's what they're there for, mm. you know, from all over the world. You'd be surprised of some major artists' deals that were the, wasn't even formed here in the United States, was formed outside the United States at Media. Mm. <laughs> gotcha. I wonder what they're doing this year with that. Are they uh, Are they doing something virtual? 
they can, but it's not really like the same. I don't see, it's just like the NAM show. That was really kind of a bust this year. You know, you, you know about the NAM show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was happening in LA. I mean, in California. Yeah, yeah, here in LA. But, but, um, but they, how, how do you, how do you going to get, see merchandise and get in, endorsements if you can't physically be there in front of the, the product or play it or, or, you know, so it was kind of a bust with the pandemic, but I'm quite sure, you know, if this thing keeps going like it is next year, we'll, you know, open right back, back up. Yeah, man. It looks like we're heading in the right direction with the pandemic and stuff has, uh, you know, I know you said COVID kind of affected your business tremendously, you know, kept you in the house pretty much, but I was going to, uh, you know, ask you, you know, have you thought about, uh, cause you got a lot of information, man. Have you th- and, and, and I do this with, uh, with Reggie Calloway as well. You know, I'm helping him produce That's good, good friend of mine. Oh yeah. Great brother, man. You know, he speaks very highly of you, man. I, 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 I want to chill with you guys in the room one day, you know, just smoke a cigar and just have another drink and just, just chop it up one day when this, when we get back to some normalcy, but basically, um, so I help him out with creating a, you know, a online courses, helping him with his writing his book and a lot of digital content that he's looking to, for me to help him produce. So I was wondering if you thought about, you know, doing any online courses or online eBooks and stuff like that, just to kind of spread this knowledge that you have to the millions, you know, as opposed to doing it live, like we're doing now, you can have this pre-recorded content that lives on your website that people can purchase over and over and over and over. And you're still spreading the same message, but reaching more people and you only recorded it once. Have you I would about love that? to do that. I would love to do that. Absolutely. That was, you know, I'm, I'm doing my book, but I would love to do so. Cause back in the eighties, uh, they had what they called the Los Angeles songwriter showcase and the national Academy of songwriter showcase. And we had what they call music colleges. And I had a cassette <laughs> of yeah. how to, that you, you could purchase of how to produce, you know? Yeah. So, but I would love to do that, man. Actually, absolutely. Absolutely. You say let's, I'll say go, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And we'll talk a little bit more online as far as the structure of it and stuff like that, because you got so much information, man. Like you can literally take a category of each individual subject and make that a course and just talk about the bullet points in between. And next thing you go, you got 20 courses and people could pick and choose exactly what the niche that they're looking to learn from. And right. And you get paid, you know what I'm saying, right. every, every time. So, yeah, but we'll definitely build on that, man. I would love to help you on that, man. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Anything I can do to help, man. You know what I'm saying? So you helping me with this recommendation as well, man. That was like a gift from God. You know what I'm saying? Like, well, I appreciate it. <laughs> nah, I appreciate you, man. I mean, you know, I just, I, I'm excited to see when that door opens where it could lead for me. So, so that's great, man. Um, Let's see here. Uh, so, yeah, man. So I want to talk about, you know, the art of songwriting. You know, I know there's a there's a formula, there's a structure and everybody has their own way on how they like to arrange stuff. But just like the key basics on how to really structure a song, you know, to, you know, the professional way. What, what would be your suggestions? Well, you know what? I don't think there's no professional way. Okay. okay? From what I can, because what it is, is that, you know, songs come to me. It could be the melody, somebody could say something, uh, you know, there's no form. Uh, okay. For example, let's, let's go back to Justin Timberlake, suit and tie. Okay. That song, the, the sample of that is really the song I did is called show Up" that we did on soul train. Right. But how did I come up with the, the song? How did I write? So I wrote the song uh, uh, about my ex-wife. 
Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. and I'm saying we were on tour. We were on tour, uh, and we got to Louisville, Kentucky, and you know, I'm sitting in the room, and I just picked up the guitar, and you know, show sure enough, you really love him, you know, and so you know, it was just like the circumstances made me write the song, you know, and so it's like there's really no formula, you know, there's no formula. I mean, again, it could be a word. It could be a phrase. It could be a, a a drum beat, you know. And I hate the word to use the word beat because when you know somebody says, "John, I got a beat for you," well, I don't want the beat. I want the song. <laughs> Let me hear the song. You know. Let me hear the song. You know. So, right. You know. So, uh, so like I said, there is really no formula. It's whatever turns you on, and then it's also is what the public likes. You know, because I've heard songs personally that I would have never even thought about recording if they asked me to either sing it or produce it, but yet and still it gets into the public and it's, it sells millions and also becomes iconic. You know, one song, and I'll just put this out there. And, you know, when I first heard this, heard the song when it first came out, I said, Man, what was they thinking about, man? You know, this this ain't even close. All right. But the song has lived on and on and on and on and sold millions and millions. And that song is 96 Tears by Question Mark and the Mysterians. Mm. You know, and I'm saying, wait a minute, you know, just everything is repetitious, you know. And to me, you know, the singer wasn't singing with feeling. That song has lived on and on and on and on. You know, so again, there's no formula. It's what the public's likes. See, that's a fact. Yeah, and I and I'm starting to notice that, man. Like even with people's attention span being so short, I'm noticing that songs are typically shorter now due to that fact, just to keep people more engaged. You know, back in the day, songs were like five, six minutes, and sometimes ten, depending on the track. You okay. Know, now they're like a minute and a half, two minutes. Okay. Well, see, actually, okay, let me give you a little history. Mm. Okay. Uh, I had a, 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 a somebody over my house and I collect record players. Right. And so uh, they didn't know what it was. <laughs> so I pulled the record out and I said, you know, show me what you do with this. And they're like, damn, that's a big, that's a big ass CD. Right, right, right. <laughs> they're, 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 scratching, they're scratching their head. So I had to explain to it. So let me say that because on a 45, Okay. A 45 up until let's say 19, I'm gonna say like 1999 or 1990. Okay, your album deal. Okay, this is part one of the uh album deals that people had. There was especially in the black community, there weren't a lot of albums being done. So the record company would sign you, say, We'll sign you with a singles deal contingency on the album. Okay. Now, what that means is that if the 45 sells, then we'll go to the album. You can only put three minutes and 20 seconds on a a, a 45. Mm -hmm. Okay. So when you take it to the radio station and take it to the program director and music director, you got to get them in 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. If not, they'll toss it. Right. You know, so the average song let's say from 19, let's say 50 till 
about the mid sixties were only two to three minutes long. Mm. You know, go look at good dollars, Miss Molly, look at the time, you know, little Richard, look at any song, the doo-wop songs out of 50, two minutes and 30 seconds. Cause they wanted to get everything in before the record ran out. Right. 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 So then now let's go to the album. You can only get, okay. You can only get 30 minutes on the side of each piece of plastic. So if so, you multiply that by five. I mean, three minutes. You see, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Take that back. You can only get 15 minutes on on an on each side. So you can only get four or five songs on each side of an album. So you know now, here comes the Barry Whites and the Isaac Hayes. Yeah. Okay. So now, oh, and I'm sorry. I take that back. Let's go back a little bit farther. Here comes Marvin Gaye with you know got to give it up. Okay, mm-hmm. but that had to take up a whole, like two sides of the album. I got part one and part two. Mm-hmm. Okay, but a lot of stations did not like to play it because. Oh, excuse me, sorry. They didn't like to. They didn't like to play it because, you know, they're taking up too much time. I can right. get three, two or three more artists in here and get played. Right. You know, then play a, a, a whole five minutes of got to give give you up. Mm-hmm see so so like i said i like the way that it used to be and it still should be because the dj says which is a whole nother story mm-hmm. is the dj says i don't hear you know the first 10 5 or 10 seconds don't grab me next what else you got you know and on the usually music day was monday and tuesday at a rec radio station mm-hmm. and you look you got there and you got 10 to 15 promotion men from the labels sitting there waiting their turn. And the, the DJ, I mean, the, the music director, the program director is only, only going to give you three minutes or four minutes to pitch your record. Yeah. You see? Yeah. And so that means when you give him, he said, I, I got the new Johnny Vegas. Okay. He's going to play it for 10 seconds. Okay. I'm going to add it to my rotation, which that's a whole nother uh, thing about rotation. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so like even today, that formula formula has to be there. But is it really a record? That's a whole nother conversation. That's a whole nother <laughs> conversation. Exactly. Yeah. There's so many ways it could stem off. All right. right. <laughs> okay. Okay. So going going to the uh the, the suit and tie sample with, with Jay and them, how, how, how did that, when did you become aware that that was even taking place? Did you get a call from... Justin or Jake um, uh, or Jay or their publishing company? Like, how did that whole day go for you the day you found out they wanted to sample your uh, show enough? Okay. Lawsuit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I got it. All right. Now, okay. First of all, this is why I say the business is so important. How I found out that he was using my song was I got up Saturday, you know, on a Saturday morning, I think it was. First thing I do is grab my, my breakfast, you know, and I hit the computer, turn the computer. Somebody had emailed me and said, congratulations on your song with Justin Timberlake. What song? <laughs> <laughs> right. right. What song? This is so, Frank. Yeah, right. So I went to YouTube. I said, oh, okay. There we are. Now, this is no, you can Google this and find this. 
and find put in John Sly Wilson versus Justin Timberlake. Oh wow! <laughs> right, 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 and we're still at it at six, seven years. Still oh my it. God, really? Which is the sad part. I know if you just recently read Tracy Chapman had to sue somebody and 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 got some money. Anita Baker is right now suing. This is another part of the industry that is rampant because like uh, 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 Anita Baker is saying, after 30 years, your masters are supposed to revert to you, the artist. These record companies are not honoring that. Okay. Now, let's go a little bit about suit and tie. All right. They never did any type of master use agreement with us. Even when we, you know, uh, we recorded with James Brown, right? We recorded on the label, but we never finalized the contract. So like our lawyer says, how can you distribute money? You never had a contract. Right. That is very rampant right now in the industry. Very rampant. So, so again, with us, and there's been some other times uh, that artists have sampled records or whatever, or the record company has put it out with actually no agreement. I'm not going to say who this because this, this who this is is not part of our suit. But there's one major producer who's been sued about four or five times, and he used somebody's music because he thought they were dead and they would never came come after him. And he ended up having to pay five million dollars, and that's been more than once. So he's been constantly doing that. Okay, so this is what I'm saying is that, um, yeah, we didn't know. We didn't know. Me, Charles, and Terry did not know that Justin had even sounded that nobody got in touch with us. So now we're suing. I mean, yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do. It's unfortunate that it's been this long and. You guys still didn't come to, uh, you know, some type of agreement. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, it was your song originally. So you should uh, reap the benefits of, you know, the, 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 yeah, of what they're doing with the song. I mean, the song was a hit, you know, it was all over radios nationwide. They performed it on the Grammys and all this stuff. So you guys should definitely get some, uh, reap the rewards of those uh, benefits. So we've gotten some of the money, but not what we supposed to get. And this is the problem, okay, is that, yeah, you want to, okay, perfect example. There's a friend, somebody who I knew uh, very, very close, okay? And this artist, he was, he's like, he just passed away, he was 90, but he's he had known me since I was a kid. How about yeah. the, my condolences. Yeah. Thanks. But he had made a major record, okay, in 1954, which the record back then went number one. Then uh, another group made it, went number one. Then they made a movie about the song, okay? So I saw him, I was, uh, cause this is when I was with the Jacksons and I went out uh, for lunch, came out of my office for lunch and I saw him. I said, hey, 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 hey John, how you doing? I said, fine. I said. How have you been? Fine. He says, well, I'm working. I got my kids. I'm trying to do a family group like the Jacksons. I said, well, you know, I'm working with them now. He said, right. I said, you know what? I said, how much money when, you know, when you recorded the song, how much money did you receive? Have you received 
since then. So that was, he did it in 54. And now this is like 1985. Mm -hmm. He said, all I received is $5,000. Okay. So I had a friend that worked at, at, at the place where, you know, his song was, they were collecting his money. I said, Hey man, listen, do me a favor run the royalties what this song has made since 1954. It was close to $50 million. All he has seen was 5,000. That's crazy. That's crazy. We can go, I can stay on this call, the Zoom meeting for three hours and name you artists and never name you uh, the same one that's going, that has gone through this or going through this or they're dead and the state is still going through this. Yeah, man. And do you think that's simply just greed? Yeah, it's greed because just like I was watching B.B. King special last night, it was on real uh, TVs uh, and, and anybody's watching, check it out because it's on exactly what I'm talking about. When he signed, when B.B. King signed with Modern Records, okay, like he would write the song but then they put their name on it. Frankie Lyman, Why Do Fools Fall in Love? If you see the movie, that, that's a true story. You know, is that him and uh, uh, Santiago, who's still living, they wrote Why Do Fools Fall in Love. But this guy, Morris Lee, put his name on there. And this has been rampant all through, especially with the Black artists. This has been rampant for many, many, many years. Okay? Little Richard was one of my closest friends. I remember when I first met him back in the, the, the early 80s and his fight about his royalties. Okay. And that, you know, here's his, he wrote Tutti Fruity and Good Golly List Mouth. And he's got to fight over his royalties. You see, and this has basically been predominantly the, the, the rule with the black artists from almost day one. So that's why I said, you know, uh, showbiz learn the business man because later on when you get down the line like we are now you know where you know your royalties really mean a, a lot you know which it means a lot at the beginning you know learn the business so you can collect and you won't be sitting here and, and letting the, the, the lawyers eat up your 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 money and legal fees and you know uh talking about you know well we own the master. Well, how can you own the master and we were never signed to you? Right. That's a fact, man. Have you ever, have you ever like reached out to Justin personally or ever came across him at these award shows and had words with him or it was just like uh, letting the lawyers deal with it? Yeah, we can't, we can't talk to each other at this point. Oh, got it. You know, yeah. Again, but again, it's, this is more the exception than the rule, you know, than, 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 you know, a flu. Almost every artist, you know, and let me say this uh, on, on a new artist. There's a new artist that came out about seven, eight years ago and produced a major, major. Uh, well, he produced a major artist. Let me let me say this. So my my little niece, she says, Uncle John, I want to learn how to play guitar. I said, OK. I said I went to the guitar center. I said, you know what? I'm not going to buy her no, no big, expensive guitar. Let me go to the pawn shop, get a nice $50, $60 guitar. If she learns how to play it, then I'll get a really nice one. Okay. Right. So when I went in there and they had the guitars up on, you know, the thing and I looked behind there and it was a platinum album. And I knew 
the producer. And so I asked the guy in the pawn shop, I said, how much is that album? He said, $50. So give it to me. Hmm. So he gave it to me. So I called the guy. I said, hey, man, uh, I was just went in, in the pawn shop to get my little niece a guitar. And I saw your album that you pawned. He said, yeah, it's platinum. See, I ain't get, I, I, I ain't get nothing, man. I said, he said, but right now, he says, I'm living in a one-room uh, studio. This is a platinum album. You see? And he's arguing with the people. So get back to about the other story. It had made $50 million. So they got in and with the lawyers, he, he lawyered up. And I think they gave him something like four or five million dollars and lost his master rights and everything where he paid to record the song. Man, it sounds like, you know, the music business is kind of not the place to be, you know, as far as, uh, you know, being signed to, to, to a label, you know, but more so, you know, just doing it independent and kind of figuring your way. But I guess people don't really want to look, don't look forward to the long journey ahead. So they take these deals because they think, you know, there'll be a star overnight, but you know, like you said, if you don't know the business, you don't know what you're signing, you end up in a situation that as unfortunate as your friend. And that's very sad to, 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 to do because, you know, as artists, you know, this is our livelihood. You know, we giving you our blood, sweat and tears over the years on paper and putting into these songs and you guys are, you know, turning it into money, but we should definitely, uh, you know, be equal partners in the, in the profits, you know, but again, well, you know, greed, greed takes a, a toll on people sometimes. Well, let me ask you this question. What is the most, imp- okay. When you walk into, let's say right now you're going to walk into a record company. Okay. You got your stuff there. What is, what is it? What are you going to tell them when you sit down in front of you sit in front of, in front of the NR guy that's going to sign. What is he going to say to you? What is he going to say to me? I mean, yes. what do you think he would say to you? What am I looking to do? Okay. That's great. Okay. Which brings something else. Okay. Now, usually you would go in and say, Hey man, you know, I got this great song and, and everything. And I got this person on it and I got this beat on it. And I'm using 808, whatever. That's probably what you would say. Right. Or the artist, right. He's going to say, yeah, sounds great. Who owns your publisher? Mm. Publishing runs the record business. They don't care what you use, Pro Tools, Cubase, what you got on there. They don't. (laughs) They don't care about none of that. (laughs) Right. Who controls your publisher? Right. You see. And then what kind of deal do you want? You know, there's all kinds of different deals. So what one do you want? Right. Know the business, ladies and gentlemen. You're hearing it from the from the great right now, man. You know, you're definitely teaching me something, man. Cause you know, it's like it's like, you know, not even knowing there's multiple deals available. Artists could just go in blind, like they just happy to be in the room and they'll take anything that's offered to them. And then they end up in situations like your friends. So definitely learning the business, man, is 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 very key. Very key. And I remember you told me that back in the day, too, when we first met, you know, about, you know, who owns the publishing and stuff like that. You actually the one who walked me through the BMI process, starting my own publishing company under BMI. So thank you for that. You know what I'm saying? Because now I see I see the benefits of that. <laughs> you know, so thank you for that as well. man. So so I mean, I mean, so 
I know with all this music business and all this stress is causing you, you know what I'm saying? How do you, how do you balance that with life? You know, like the work-life balance, like what do you do to unwind, to chill? I mean, you got the youthful spirit, so it looks like you're in the gym, killing it, you know, running 30 miles a day, you know, what you got going on, man? <laughs> well, that's it, you know, you, you kind of stay in the gym, and, and, and but also too, you know, I like to get away, man, meaning like, I'll go, you know, to a park or I'll go up in the mountains and sit and write just to get away from it. Because here's another thing. When you start touring, okay, for 10 years, we were doing 150, 200 dates a year. Okay? Mm. We would leave home in September. I'm sorry, in January, come back home in September. I did that for 10 years straight. Reggie will tell you that, okay? All this. So when we come home, sometimes, man, I don't even want to hear no music. I don't want to even hear a commercial on the TV. Mm. Right. I just don't I just chill out. So I chill out. I, I collect, you know, I, I collect uh, a different thing. I collect record players. I collect anything antique that I'm a science fiction fanatic. Okay. So those are the things I, I, I do to uh, unwind, you know, and or just, Walking, I don't want again. You don't want to hear no music. You just don't even don't want to be around people, yeah. you know. You know, and I'll just get in the car and just ride or whatever. So that's what I do to unwind. But yeah, I, you got to work out because you got to keep on. You know, you, you know those gigs when you start pulling them, it's hard. And they were talking about that last night with BB King. BB King was pulling. You know, it's three hundred sixty-five days in years. He was he was pulling a three hundred fifty-four dates a year. And before he died, he was still doing 250 dates a year. Oh, man. Up until the day he died. God bless the dead, man. B.B. King is definitely a legend, man. Right. Thunder thumbs. (laughs) Lucille. Yeah, yeah. The old Lucille. Um, Right. (laughs) Nah, that's what's up, man. Are you you, you familiar with uh, NFTs at all? No, the NFT... So non-fungible token. So basically it's digital art, right? That you can, that can never be counterfeited or reproduced, you know, once it's uh, and it's more so deals with cryptocurrency. You're familiar with that, right? Yeah, like the yes. Bitcoin stuff like that. So you use that to purchase it. So basically you as an artist can create, you know, let's say for example, you take the cover art to your next album and the, the process is called minting. It's what converts the, I guess, JPEG file into a NFT. So okay. with this NFT, you can list it for sale and every time it's sold, you will continue to get a royalty. So if somebody, if I bought it from you, then I sold it to Jim, you'll get 10 to 30%, whatever you click that you want to, royalty you want to get. And if he sells it, you'll continue to get that royalty. You'll continue to continue to get those royalties. And, and artists are doing this with music now. So they're basically taking like clips of their videos or the cover art with music behind it and selling it as nfts and uh and then and then you use uh, a cryptocurrency called ethereum to pay for it so people pay you ethereum and the great thing about that is is that you know as as cryptocurrency begins to grow in the market the value of that cryptocurrency will continue to grow which will give you more money and there's it's unlimited uh uh art that you can create you know you can take Stuff that you did back Hello? in the day in NFT. You can take stuff you're doing now and NFT it. And, and, and I'll send you videos on that that uh, that shows you how to do it in the whole process. Because um, there was a, uh, yeah, one of the highest NFTs that sold like last month, he sold his art piece for $69 million. 
Whoa, yeah, we got to talk about that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> we definitely yeah. got to talk about that. Absolutely. Yeah, so I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you some links just so you can kind of get freshed on it. And then uh, once you have an art piece ready, like even it could be like an old cover art of your old album, I can just walk you through the process of how to list it for sale. And then basically at that point, you just utilize the followers that are your fans to basically pitch it to them to go buy it. So then they would have to go get cryptocurrency to pay for it. And then there you go. And then if they decide to resell it, because a lot of people, what they're doing is like even with there's a website called NBA Top Shot. So, you know how back in the day we used to collect baseball cards and basketball cards and stuff like that. So they're doing that digitally now. So basically they're taking highlight clips of, let's say, LeBron James slam dunking on somebody's face or whatever. Boom. So then that digital uh, highlight clip is now the NFT, your digital basketball card. People are collecting those and reselling those, you know, as the um, the basketball players are like an ability goes up because it goes up in value. Then you, you know, art, I mean, not art, uh, collectors, you know, sometimes they'll pay top dollar for it and stuff like that. So I'll send you uh, some clips on that so you can, uh, you know, do some research. But yeah, man, you know, taking your likelihood and, and, and your, uh, your, your material and, and if putting it as an NFT nowadays, because that's where the space is heading to the digital world, I think it'll, it'll work out greatly for you. You know what I'm saying? And I was telling the same thing to Reggie. I'm helping him out with those things as well. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think you getting on board, man. Are you on Instagram at all? Because a lot of this uh, stuff, you know, you see it on Instagram, on YouTube and stuff. I looked you up, but, you know, you had there was a page there of you. Now that you said there's an imposter impersonating John Sly Wilson, I don't know if it's even you or not. Okay. Okay. I'm going to check it out now. I'm, I'm on, I got to log in cause I keep getting Instagram things, but I got to log into it. So I'm as soon as we get through, I'm going to log into the account. Yeah, please do man. And then, uh, and then send me, send me the link to that. So then I can start just feeding you information and tagging you on the pages, pages that talk about the NFTs and how the artists are doing it now. You know, there's a lot of, uh, uh, Akon just did an NFT, uh, Tory Lanez, uh, some some uh, EDM uh, producer, you know, they're putting out albums as NFTs and then people are buying them with the cryptocurrency. So I think that'll work out greatly for you, you know, especially now, you know, since you're still you're still at it. You know what I'm right, saying? Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, man, How, uh, are you uh, are you going to check out the versus battle? Are you familiar with the versus battles at all? No. OK, so there's basically um, so Swiss Beats, the producer yeah. and yeah, Timberland. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. joined forces and created this platform for legendary artists to kind of not necessarily go at each other. They call it more of a celebration, but as a fan, it's a battle. Okay. They're versus each other. So um, uh, I think April 4th, Easter Sunday, I believe the Isley brothers are going against earth, wind and fire. Uh, I, you know, I did get an email on that or something like, oh, so, so that's what that, I mean, I understood that, but that's, you know, I didn't understand the mechanism. Me- mechanism. Yeah, so pretty much, you know, they sit in a room and then they just play, they go 25 for 25, you know, hit records, you know, so Isley Brothers are going to play Between the Sheets, Earth, Wind & Fly are going to play Reasons, you know, and it's just, they just go back and forth, but the way it's structured, it's more of a celebration. You know, they tell stories of how the song came about as each song plays. You know, they they big each other up and during uh, each song and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily like a rap battle. They're cursing each other out. It's more of a celebration of each other's greatness. Uh, and I think you should you should definitely check it out, man. Get in get in tune. It's been a lot of lot of great um, great battles, man. They just had a. Uh, they just had uh, who they had. They had Raekwon versus Ghostface. They had uh, 
Timberland versus Swiss Beats. They had uh, they're gonna do SWV versus Escape. You know, it's it, it's it's pretty entertaining. You know, Johnny, I'm really got a, I really got a, a smile on my face because you know you know how long this was going on. Way before my time, I'm sure. Right. Okay. And because I'm from Cleveland, right? Okay. Uh, the great, one of the greatest disc jockeys to ever live, and I'll send you a, a, a air check. His name was mm-hmm. Mike Payne. Yeah. Okay. Mike Payne was the original rapping DJ. Mm-hmm. All right. And he used to do what they call him and Ken Hawkins, who also just passed. He was at WGMO. They did Battle of the Stars, mm-hmm. and they, and they would come on uh, uh, around ten, eleven o'clock at night. And my father, okay, back then, he put a, a, a pillow speakerphone so I would, would wake my brothers up, right? Mm. And so I could put it, and you hear, you know, back then, uh, 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 the OJ's Battle of the Temptations, uh, uh, the Impressions Battle, so on, so on, so on, so And then you would send in your vote, mm. right? Mm. You send in your vote, and then whoever won would take on the next person, that yeah. next that next thing. So, man, you know, I, I'm loving this. I, I'm loving this because, again, this is what I like. What I like about this, and this is what, let's say, our people don't do. And and I hope that I'm passing this knowledge on to you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Is that a lot of us, especially in our community, are being forgotten. We're being and we're being erased. OK. And there are a lot of groups that uh, have been forgotten. Let's say, for example, with a, a rock group, you know, you can go to an eight or nine year old kid right now and he'll tell you everybody was in the group way before his parents was born, right? But here with our our situation, it's like we throw our music away and we're the ones that, that, that basically that everybody else is listening to. You know, just like with Bruno Mars's new song, so this is uh, a Silk Sonic. Have you seen that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I love it. That's okay, but here's the thing. That's what we were doing 40 years ago. Okay, I got I got pictures on my wall almost with the same uniforms on. If you look at us doing Soul Train, we're doing basically the same choreography. But see, it's new again. So every for every group, when I look at that, I'm saying the Unifics did that. Do you know who the Unifics is? The Unifics? No. I'm, okay. I'm, well, see, this is my opinion. They had, they had two major hits. One of the guys that came out of the Unifics was Glenn Leonard, who got with the Temptations. See, this is what I'm saying. There is a serious, serious legacy that are there. Because I can sit up here and talk, tell you about the artistics, the presidents, the main ingredient, uh, 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 the soul notes. Uh, you see, I know I'm mm-hmm. talking it's foreign to you. But these were made major, the impressions, uh, I mean, major, major, major artists that I'm standing on their shoulders, you right. see? And, but there's, okay. And here's the last thing. It's sad that the, the R&B stations aren't playing anymore. Okay. And I can, I can, I can say here for, again, for another three hours and name, name the groups. And let me say this right quick. And I hope I'm not taking up all the time. Nah, man, this is, I'm on your time, brother. <laughs> okay. Uh, when I'm talking about labels, okay, there were probably, again, about 50 labels I could have signed with. Let me tell you some of the groups 
that the labels don't even exist no more. And you think, okay, we talk about major hit, you know, being on a major label. Okay. Basically in my time, it was almost sudden death to be on a major label. Okay. Okay. Now the stylistics, do you know what label they were on your whole career? You know, the stylistics are right. Yeah, 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 for sure. They they were on AFCO. Don't exist Mm -hmm. anymore. Donna Summer was on Casablanca. Okay. The Dells were on Chess. The Shylights were on Brunswick. You see what I'm saying? And we can go all the way down the line. That's why I believe that these labels, the Universals, the, the Sonys, the, uh, the, the, the Weas, which is the only American label left, they bought up all these labels. But all but see, in the, when they bought them up, you know, you can, there's no place that, that that we're being played except like here in L, in L.A. Uh, Stevie Wonder Station, KGLH will play it. But where's the new Stevie Wonder? Stevie only hear his stuff. You see, and so my point is is that there is so much history, Johnny, that I want to give you and the audiences listening because you know we may not be long, around here much longer, okay? But there's a serious history. More than, and, and let's say Motown is great and I ain't got nothing because I was a Motown artist. We recorded on Motown from 75 to 70 to 77. Okay. But there was more out there than Motown. The Mad Lads, the Emotions, uh, 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 Willie Mitchell, uh, Booker T and the MGs. I mean, serious. And, and let me say this to, to the audience. Let's get back to where it was. All right. Up until from the beginning of music in America up until 1990, it's like we stopped singing. Where are the, where are the new Sly Slick and Wickets and Temptations and Old Jays? Where are the new Barcades and, 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 and uh, Cool in the Gangs and Earth, Wind and the Fires? We stopped singing and we stopped playing. Where are the new Patti LaBelle's and the new Aretha's and everything? We stopped singing. We're trying to still rap. And rap is, you know, okay, and let me say this to the audience. When did rap really start? And I'm asking you that question. For me, I mean, from from my knowledge, um, I, I, it, it was back in the in the 60s with scat, right? No. No? Okay. Scatting is not rapping. Mm-hmm. Do you know what scatting is? I've seen it performed but you know I don't I can't put it into words because it really wasn't words it was a and all that stuff yeah but what is that but what is that doing see what it was okay one person who started let's say the male was Louis Armstrong Hmm. because what it was he's hearing you know when he's singing when he's saying he's hearing the horn lines that was behind him Hmm. now the greatest one of the greatest was two greatest uh, 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 scat singers was Ella Fitzgerald because she can't sing. So actually she's using her throat as she's hearing a saxophone player, a trumpet player, soloing. So she's like, you see John Hendricks. Yeah. Okay. John Hendricks, you'll see him when he's scatting. He's like, he's holding this. It's like, just like he's playing a uh, saxophone, but actually he is playing Charlie Parker in his head. That's what scatting is. Now, what if I told you that I can, uh, if I could bring up YouTube right now, I can bring you a rap record from 1943. I believe it. You can't get that no more. 
Mm. Okay. From Louis Jordan about, mm. you know, meaning going to World War II. You can't get that no more. Talking about women that that, that no. Pygmy Markham from the late 40s, early 50s. I got the number, the first gangster rap. Mm. Now, the first rap that I've ever seen on TV was the Three Stooges, the yep. woman haters mm-hmm. of 1936. <laughs> from the first frame to the last frame, it's nothing but rap. Right. You see? So my point is, is that the history now, okay, let me leave you with this. The guy that invented what we call R&B and rock and roll, right? And believe me, Little Richard was a very good friend of mine. He's like a big brother, but he didn't invent it. The guy that invented was two people who invented what we call R&B and rock and roll as we know it now. One was Louis Jordan. Okay. The other one was Frank Sugar Child Robinson. You ever heard of him? No, no, I'm, I'm sorry. In my mind, I was thinking no. it was. I, I was thinking you were gonna say Chuck Berry. No, 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 no. This is way before Chuck Berry. Now, Frank Sugarchild is still with us. Why? Okay, and he lives in Detroit. And you look up Frank Sugarchild Robinson. He was doing movies, packing Apollo when he was three and four years old. He was the Michael Jackson of the '40s. Mm. Wow. You see, but we, you know, we don't keep. Uh, our, our history going. And he's still with us. He's in Detroit. I met him two years ago. I didn't care. I went to the R&B Music Awards. I didn't care about nothing else but sitting and talking with him. I stopped with him a whole day. And he was talking about how he was packing Apollo when he was three and four years old. And there's pictures, you know, there's uh, things on YouTube of him doing that. They were doing videos on him. What they call them newsreels. On him. We call them videos. Mm. He was playing with Count Basie when he was five to six and seven years old. Wow. Sold millions of records. So we have to keep our history going, John. I agree, man. You know, but I also think it starts at the top. And by the top, I mean the the people in charge at the labels, you know, they got to really care enough to keep the history in the forefront. Because from what I'm seeing, it seems like it's all about the numbers, man. It's all about, like you said earlier, what the audience is, is tuning into, how many followers they got, what's well, how many streams they got. Okay, well, and then they're just going to milk that milk that cow till all the milk is gone. You know what I'm saying? So that's where I think the game is at right now as far as the uh, what, what the people in charge are caring about, you know what I'm saying, versus, you know, wanting to keep history in the forefront, you know, unfortunately. Well, see, you're right in a way, but... It takes us to make the record companies do it. If we're sitting there just want to rap, mm-hmm. where you got, well, how, how do you have your top R&B artists, Justin Timberlake, uh, 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 Robin Thicke, and Bruno Mars? Mm. We stop singing. We stop playing. So that's what they take. We take they're taking what we're giving them. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So we have to see, we have to get back to, because again, if Justin Timberlake can do sample a song that I did 40 years ago, we reach, I, I wrote that song in 1973. Why is it still current 40 years late, almost 50 years later? Mm-hmm. Because R&B. Why is Robin Thicke, when he did uh, 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 that song with the Marvin Gaye thing, why is it still happening? Why is Bruno Mars with Uptown Funk which was, I thought it was, I thought it was Reggie in them. I could, when I heard it, I called yeah. Reggie. I said, man, y'all got something else I knew, you know? 
you know, and 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 then you know now with Bruno Mars doing seventy stuff, so it's like they're taking it, but it, it ain't coming from the people who made it. Right, right. You see, you know, it's not coming to like like where's the, the latest girl singers was in vogue. Right, you know, you know and, and like I said, so we got to start back singing and playing because yeah. they're doing it. We it came from us. Yeah, man. I think I think yeah, yeah the artist that comes down to the artist, man. You know, they got to have that passion to want to you know, play these instruments and sing again, you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I I mean, I can't really pinpoint, you know, an answer to that, you know what I'm saying? I guess that all falls down to the artists and how they putting themselves out there, because I'm sure there's a lot of, you know, musicians who play great instruments and sing and all that stuff, but, you know, they're just not in the forefront, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, because we're not making the record companies put us in the forefront. If they ain't got nothing to, to to sign but this, and then when we talked earlier about the PND deal, yeah, when you the PND, when you when you're the the artist who owns the label, okay, for example, we know about Barry Gordy, right? Okay, okay. Tell me some other artists that own their own labels. Can you tell me? I mean, whew. I mean nowadays, yeah, but from back then, I I can't really say. See, that's our history. Now, you mentioned one earlier. You mentioned the yeah. Isley Brothers. Oh, oh, Jay? No, Isley Brothers. Oh, Isley Brothers. Yeah, okay. They okay. owned up uh, everything they put out after they were with, uh, well, first of all, a lot of people don't know that they made the original Twist and Shout. Everybody talked about the Beatles. They made it. And they yeah. were on Wand Records when they made it. Then they went to Motown and did It's Your Thing and all that. Then the Isleys must say, hey, man, you know what? I'm tired of the record companies making all the money. Let's form our own. So all those other hits that you're going to hear and when they battle on verses was basically on their label T-Neck. Mm. Okay. Who else had their own label? There was one single that he made, which was a monster hit. And he said, hey, man, I need to uh, 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 make my own label. And he's not known as one of the most successful label owners was Barry White. Mm. Unlimited gold, everything you see, unlimited gold, other than I'm going to love you, love it, was his label. Yeah. Okay. Curtis Mayfield, the ooh child, things are going to be easier by five stair steps. It was on his label, Kurtom Records. Right. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. we start owning the labels again with our P&D deals. Then the, the rest of the world doesn't have any uh, a choice but to pick it up. And here's another thing. BTS is one of the most top uh, groups in the But what are they doing? They're doing stuff from uh, uh, that, that we were doing years ago. They're coming out with suits on. They're doing choreography and everything. That's what we always did. Mm -hmm. And the number one selling group, girls group in the world, do you have an idea who that is? I know they're not American, right? Right. They're AKB48. Mm -hmm. Out of Japan, they do two hundred million a year. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, that's it, man. I, you know, I didn't want to take up all your time, but no, man. I, I love it, man. I love all this information. Like I said, man, we definitely got to get together and work on this course because you got so much information that everybody needs, and so many different topics, man. And uh, 
you know, I would definitely love to help you build that as well, as well as uh, getting you involved in the NFT space. I'm going to, once we get off the line, I'm going to text you some links. Just watch all of them just so you can learn. They're very short videos, but they'll bring you up to speed just so you can know how you want to proceed thereafter you receive that information. But okay. yeah, man, no, it was great having you today, man. Great talking to you as always, man. Look forward to working with you again, man. Let the people know where they can come in contact with you, if, you know, just for mentorship or if they want to get you on a song or, you know, whatever the case may be. You know what I'm saying? Okay, well, my email is the letter J Wilson Sly at Yahoo.com. Perfect, perfect. And make sure you get that Instagram up and running, man. We, oh, yeah, we I'm going to do you that. On IG. We need you on IG. Okay, I'm there. You got me. Okay. Uh, man, Thanks for thank having you. me. No problem. Thank you for tuning in, ladies and gentlemen. It's been another episode of Sleepers for Billionaires, the podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Vegas. John Sly Wilson, the great, the legendary. Stay tuned for more episodes to come, and thank you for watching. Thanks, John, take care of yourself, my brother. I'm going to text you right now those links, all right? Okay, peace. All right, take care. Yeah. I want to be a billionaire. Uh-huh. I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a milli every week. Yeah. I want to be a billionaire. Uh-huh. I ain't getting no sleep nah. till I see a billy every week. Uh-huh. I want to be a billionaire. 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 I want to be a billionaire. 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 billionaire.